0: Welcome to Ask a Broker, Episode 3. I'm your host, Scott Peckford. This is a show where Dustin Woodhouse and I tackle your mortgage questions. We're all about helping you crush your mortgage business. Here's how it works. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash ask, record a question, and if we answer your question on the show, we'll send you a swanky new I Love Mortgage Brokering t-shirt courtesy of Lendesk. Today on the show, Camille Rodriguez asks about his protecting funding ratios and what happens on the longer-term rate holds that you have when the short-term, the quick closes have lower rates. It's a great question, and we have some good stuff for you. But before we get started, I want to thank today's sponsor. Ask a Broker is sponsored by Lendesk. Lendesk is a mortgage technology company based out of Vancouver that has built an origination platform specifically for Canadian brokers. Lendesk removes the headache of assembling an application with your client. Think of it as the ultimate CRM and deal management tool. They're pre-launch, but I'm helping them refine the platform, and I can tell you it looks awesome. If you'd like to get early access to Lendesk with me, sign up at Lendesk.com to stay in the loop. As for the cost, let's just say it's going to be an easy decision. This is going to be a game changer. Hey, Dustin, how's it going today, bud? Not too bad, not too bad. How are you? So today we got a great question from Camille Rodriguez, and he was asking about uh, when you get that conflict sometimes between a client saying, hey, you know, you've got me approved, but I'd like a different rate. Let's have a listen to his question, and then I'd like to jump into it. Let's have a listen.
1: Hi, Scott and Dawson. This is Camilo with Mortgages Lab. I have a question that I believe a lot of brokers will benefit from. I am a big proponent of funding ratio. So in my opinion, uh, when you submit a deal or a file to a lender, you should be professional enough to try very hard to fund that file with that lender, but there are situations, especially in purchases, where you have limit time for subject removal, and let's say you have a few options, and of course one of the options is a lender that you may have a good relationship with, which may or may not have the best rate, for example, for the client. So, in my opinion, uh, and to protect the client so they can move subjects, I would be tempted to send it to that lender and uh, and get the approval on time, and everything's fine. The issue becomes, so my question becomes when your client would ask you or request after they have removed subjects to go to another lender to get, let's say, a slightly lower rate and cancel the previous approval. Okay, so that, in my opinion, creates a conflict on the broker because we want to make sure that we trade our lender fairly and that lender supported the client in the first place. I have several ways to deal with this, but I would like you know, the expertise of you both uh, to answer this question. All the best. Thank you very much, amigos. Bye.
0: So, what do you think, Dustin? What's your what's what in this when you run into that situation? What kind of how do you navigate it and not obviously affect? Try not to damage your lender relationship as well as you know trying to maintain your client relationship.
2: Without without getting too deep into how lenders and brokers alike find quick close specials a, a little frustrating. I mean, you know, a lender who throws a quick close special out there is seen by other lenders as a poacher to some extent that may or may not be accurate. I mean, it could just be that they've got access to funds at a certain level and here's the criteria. And so there it is, but it obviously puts brokers in an awkward position, but fundamentally we're not really talking about quick close specials per se here. We're talking more about which, which, which lender can underwrite a file in today's market in time for subject removal and then and then, what are you left with? And, and that is a little trickier. So let's sort of start from the top and we'll get right down into the weeds here. Lender relations versus client relations. You know, I, I always try and boil everything down into numbers, and I think lenders understand the number that I'm about to give. Uh, clients, I suspect, would prefer that it was a much different number, but I always say that at the, in the at the end of the day, I am 49% beholden to my lenders. I am 51% beholden to my clients. So whatever the decision that needs to be made, it's always going to be the client's best interests that are deciding the answer to that question, that are driving that decision. Because in a case where there's another, let's, let's say it's a little simpler where there's been a rate drop. I mean, pick the phone up, call lender A that underwrote the file for you and that it's now sitting at file complete with and explain the situation and give them a chance to match the rate because they have to understand that it's not about you moving the client to another lender. It's about the potential of another broker moving that client away from both of you.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you both
2: lose. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and I think lenders understand that kind of scenario and they'll do what they can do. And, and I mean, I have you know, bought down a rate partially to get to where we need to be with a, with a lender who the file's already complete with. So you know, everything's already done at lender A and lender B pops up a 10th lower. Lender A says, well, we can go 0.05 lower, but we can't get the full 10th. And I'll say, you know what? You guys are meeting me part way. I'll meet you part way. I don't want to redo the entire file with a new lender, damage my funding ratio for the sake of 20 basis points of commission or something like that. I'll throw in as well. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you throw that in up front, that obviously goes a long ways to getting them to help work with you as well. But again, that's sort of more of a normal market conditions kind of a situation and in the situation we're in now, you know, in the last week or two. So this is the end of April uh, we're at right now and we've seen lender after lender sending us emails saying four business days, five business days turnaround time on a file and you know, they they like, they're not even looking at your file for a week. And never mind how many offers go subject free, if you're lucky enough to get an offer with subjects in it, in the Vancouver market and largely the Toronto market as well right now, uh, it's usually only got one, two, three days. Right. That's crazy Down, It really is. So right now the, uh, the, the, the lenders who still are able to offer us some kind of turnaround time, they are the go-to. But then if the closing date is 60 days or 90 days out, is is that file going to close with that lender? It does become more difficult. And, um, you know, as I say, it really does boil down to the client. Although the other thing to keep in mind too, is it isn't just your funding ratio with the lender and your relationship with this corporate entity, but also your relationship with your underwriter, right? I mean, underwriters are the unsung heroes of this business. You know, brokers feel like they work miracles. And indeed, a lot of brokers do work some pretty amazing miracles for their clients. But usually those miracles involve a lot of heavy lifting from an underwriter as well. Mm -hmm. And pulling your files out from under that individual person is also problematic. So I would suggest that it's worth finding a little bit out about your underwriter. And, you know, if you know what their favorite wine is or a favorite restaurant, uh, you might want to stockpile a couple of bottles or a couple of gift cards and, and have some thank you cards ready to go. And if you're going to pull a file from that lender, you may want to send a little something to the underwriter who spent their time working on that file. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these underwriters are on a performance-based model as well. So you're taking food off their place when you take that file away. So maybe try and put some food or wine back on their dinner table.
0: Like, How often have you had to, have you done something like that? <laughs> um i i literally have a case of
2: wine next to my desk right now like a whole i went and bought a whole case um and it's half empty in a couple of weeks so you know I, be, to be clear though i'm not sending all those bottles out of mea culpa's uh some of them are thank yous for some of the amazing stuff that underwriters are doing for us right now right
0: that's good that's really good so and you're not drinking it you're sitting in your office just like no, no, you know, I you know I'm sure
2: you probably remember from the book I think I mentioned I I decided to try taking a year off of booze and uh a year and a half later I just kind of kept going. So, so I it, it's safe for me. There's the odd day I think maybe I should open it and start drinking again, but uh I'll I'll keep my little experiment going for another year or two.
0: And I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but you've in I I can't take credit for this comment, but I, I it's your uh, quote is you win the client, not the deal. And so it goes back to, you know, if there's, we're shareholders in this and the client's a 51% shareholder. So we got to lean t- slightly towards them to, and also take care of our lender partnerships. Otherwise we run the risk of, you know, when you need that favor or you need something done, the is like, yeah, whatever, you know, and then it'll just hurt your business. Like we, we, you cannot treat your underwriters like crap and then expect anything, you know, really great from the relationship. It's just not a good, so it's a terrible way to, have that relationship
2: well and and, and to camille's point here i mean what's really happening so you know if, if you look at the bigger picture what's happening is brokers are picking the lender with the fastest turnaround time using them to get approvals and then potentially not leaving them with files so that broker or pardon me that lender mm-hmm. that is hyper efficient able to deliver fast turnaround times is having to work extra hard on a number of files that are not going to complete. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, how that's not the right way to reward them for being awesome. But again, I mean, the challenge is we are in unprecedented market conditions. Like it is a very, very unique market. I hope it's not the new normal, but frankly, it's been well over a year of record-setting month, record-setting month. You know, not, not not internally in my business. I'm speaking to, you know, the uh, industry sales, market mm-hmm. sales. Like, the, again, the, the Vancouver area where I'm based in the Lower Mainland, every month for over a year, it's been another all-time record sales volume month. And not to digress too far here, but it just as a point of interest, In the you know, 90 days ago, even 60 days ago, we were still getting 24-hour turnaround, worst case, 48-hour turnaround on appraisals. But we've now shifted into a, a world where it's five to seven business days
1: mm-hmm. for
2: most firms for appraisals. Uh, you know, and, and that's a function of simple math. There are only so many licensed appraisers in the lower mainland. Every single one of them that wants to be working is working. And appraisal firms are still trying to hire more appraisers but there are none left to hire. I mean, it's seven years of schooling and training to become a certified appraiser. Mm-hmm. So there just aren't any more to grab right now. You
0: can't make them that quickly.
2: No, no, exactly. And uh, and they can only perform so many appraisals per day. You know, They have to visit the property in daylight, so at least we're getting into the long days of summer so they can fit a few more appraisals in. But think about that you're basically asking those appraisers to work from sunup to sundown seven days a week, which a lot of them are right now. Mm -hmm. But there's a, there's a breaking point where you, you know, an appraiser can only actually view X number of properties per day, and there's only X number of appraisers. So there's a point there where there's a maximum number of appraisals that can physically be performed in any given day. And the volume of orders is exceeding that number. So the mm-hmm. backlog is
0: growing. Right. I totally agree. I, I, I would not want to be an appraiser in the lower mainland right now trying to determine what something's worth when they keep going over lists. And it would just be a, it would be a bit of a, you know, it'd be quite stressful. No. And, and, and so the point of that
2: digression is just to, to, to say, you know, again, we're in sort of unprecedented market conditions and it's making it more challenging for a lot of us who want to run our business a certain way, but are feeling like we're being forced to run it another way.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Camille, I really hope that answers your question. Dustin, thanks, Bud, for your insights on this. And uh, yeah, just keep sending your questions in to us and we'll, we'll keep um, answering them. Thanks very much, Scott.